Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? This week I want to explore the term mystic and mysticism and some of the words and practices that go along with being a mystic. Mystical, mysticism, these are words that are used for experiences, restaurants, (laughs) books, movies. We use these terms really loosely in our modern contemporary language. But if we look deeply into historical experiences of mysticism, the mystics, there's a lot for us to see there. I came through a two-year program called Spiritual Direction for Spiritual Guides through an organization called Oasis Ministries in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. This program leans heavily on the teachings of early mystics like St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Julian of Norwich, Hildegard of Bingen, St. Francis and St. Clair, These devoted lovers of the divine laid the foundation for the kind of work we undertook as spiritual guides. Becoming a spiritual guide means that you practice living a life of immersing yourself in the divine and then you take that practiced immersion and you sit with someone else and you immerse yourself in the divine in the presence of another and you listen and you watch and you feel with the other person in the same way you've learned to do through your own practice of devotion to the movement of spirit this program that I was a part of 2010 through 2012 deeply changed my life. During my time with Oasis Ministries, we talked a lot about the contemplative way of being. And this is something that is so fundamental to the life of the mystics. They lived lives of contemplation. In the modern use of the word contemplation, we often think of deep and profound thought. If we're contemplating something, we're thinking hard and deeply about something. 
But that was not the way the word was used by the mystics. That would have been meditation to them. They meditated on topics. Contemplation is the emptying out of the self to be in the living presence of the divine, of life with a capital L, what many of us now call the universe. So when we're in contemplation, we're actually moving really slowly with a lot of awareness and opening our senses, both our spiritual senses and our physical senses to use our mind and our body as almost like an antenna or radar to pick up on the messages and the feelings and the, the, the energetic sense that the divine is impressing on us in this moment. One of the practices that we learned in our spiritual direction training program is called Lectio Divina. This is from the early Christian church. And um, I just take a moment here and go on a little tiny tangent. Um, the Christian church has done really atrocious things in the world since its inception. It's done some really beautiful things in the world too. And the technology of the sacred, especially from the hermits and the monks and the nuns and the mystics is really profound. And many of those techniques and, and spiritual technologies were passed down from pre-Christian religious practice or theurgy. And so some of the practices that the early Christians used were practices that came out of Egypt, they came out of the mystery schools at Eleusis and other places. And so just because this took me a few years to tease out for myself, but just because something comes to us through Christianity, which has been a religion that has wounded many of us deeply, doesn't mean that it's not a powerful, effective and useful technology for us to achieve altered states of consciousness um, or to walk in our path with the, the living universe. For instance, the burning of incense is a hugely Catholic and Orthodox practice. The taking of communion is very similar to the bread and, and ale that is done at the end of Wiccan ceremonies the chanting and singing of hymns that is so common in Christian churches is almost universal throughout all religious life. Uh, and prayer as well, you know, prayer, so much of the way we pour our heart out to deity in our rituals is a form of prayer as well. So, it has helped me so much in my life to reframe the way I look at Christianity as just another devotional sect to the living universe. Um, they are allowed to have their beliefs about exclusivity and power and 
rightness and wrongness. And I leave those beliefs to them. But there is so much that comes out of Christianity that informs my daily practice. um, And that is really powerful spiritual technology. And so um, that is what this practice of Lectio Divina, it comes out of Christian mysticism with its roots in the mystery schools of Rome and Greece. And it trickles down now to me, you know, this, I I use it as a practice outside of the Christian faith. So sort of reclaimed, um, as it has passed through Christianity to me and now reclaimed in this, um, sort of rural hedge, witch in her practice. Um, so Lectio Divina means reading with the divine or divine reading. And it's a practice of taking a passage and working with that passage. It could be a, a scripture from any of the, the world's, you know, religions or scriptures. It could be a favorite poem. It could be something you wrote in your own journal that seems to be calling to you. Um, it, you can really use anything in Lectio Divina. And there are five steps that, that we go through to allow this passage, this writing, to flower and blossom and become a portal for us to meet the universe, the the cosmos, the divine. Um, This is a a practice that I think is also really helpful if you are a devotional practitioner. So if you are devoted to a deity, then you could use scripture or writing or poetry about that deity as a form of connection. So I am devoted to Hecate, so I might use the Chaldean Oracle as scripture for me um, to do Lectio Divina and go and find a deeper connection to her that way. So um, there are lots of ways that you can use Lectio. But the first thing we do is that we, we just read the passage. That's first. We read it aloud. Um, and it shouldn't be too long. You know, a page or less, a paragraph is probably best to work with since we have to really work it a couple times and read it through a few times. If it's too long, you sort of lose yourself in the reading. But the first step is to read the passage. After you've read it aloud, you take your initial impressions into conversation with the deity that you're trying to connect with, or the capital L life, or the cosmos, or the universe, whoever you are connecting with, whatever energy you are connecting with, you begin a conversation about what does this passage mean to you? What what does it make you question? What does it what is calling to you in this passage? Um, and you open the conversation that way. This sort of naturally leads into what the mystics called meditatio or meditation. So as we have this conversation, we tend to find an, a struggle, a, a concept or an idea or what feels like a calling that we aren't right with. It, we, there's a little bit of struggle there or more questions. This is where we expand our thinking 
um, into more of the existential. So if I'm reading a passage from the Chaldean Oracle and it's about Hecate and there's something in that passage that I'm not quite understanding or it feels like a call, I might ask her about that. You know, it's hard for me to understand why you are called terrible, why you are called brimo, why you are called, because I've only experienced your loving face. I wish to more deeply understand your terrible nature. You know, that kind of questing and questioning um, is part of the meditatio portion of the Lectio Divina process. After we've had this time of conversation with the deity and thinking really deeply and profoundly, then we finally come to contemplatio or the contemplative practice, which is where we've sort of emptied ourselves out. Um, and we found this sort of nugget in the scripture or in the passage that has called to our heart. And there's a feeling now in the heart space, a longing or a questing or a love or gratitude or a humility, whatever we seem to have emerged through this practice of, of deep reading and talking to deity, the something emerges and we take that something into contemplation. That's when we get quiet. We've emptied ourselves out of thinking and now we are receptive. We are listening. What does deity have to say to us in response to our questioning? This should at least be 20 minutes of quiet and openness where we just allow images, thoughts, feelings, sensations, smells to come and land in the receptive mind um, as an answer to our quest. And we stay in that contemplative space as long as we can. The more we practice practices like this, the easier it becomes to rest in that contemplative open mind, open heart space, and really receive deep impressions from the divine. Um, and that, I mean, really, this could be plants. We could do this with a plant. We could do this with a stone. We could do this with a river. We could do this with our deity. Um, it's a door. It's a way of opening the door to make contact with these deeper realities. And then the last thing we do as part of Lectio Divina is action. We take some sort of action to anchor in the physical world the new awareness that we've received through our Lectio practice. So if I'm trying to deeply understand the terrible face of Hecate, and I've asked her to show that to me in contemplation, there's, there's likely been some sort of um, download of information during that 20 minutes of reception where she's shown me something, some deep wisdom, or, or she's given me a key, you know, in the worship of Hecate, we often talk about the keys that she gives us. She's given me a key to deeply understand the, the, her terrifying nature and what that means to me in my life. And so now there's an action that I am to take. Maybe I go to a place where her terrible face has, has shown itself like the battlefield at Gettysburg. And I offer prayers for the soldiers who have died there 
or um, the nearby mountain where the logging industry has clear cut and there's devastation and I offer prayers and, and offerings to the land there, or there's some sort of action for me to take as I come out of that contemplative practice. And that if, when we do this over and over again, when we deeply encounter the divine through practices like Lectio, and then we anchor the wisdom we've received in the world, this is one of the fastest and most transformational ways to work with deity that I have ever encountered. And doing this kind of deep devotional work is the way of the mystic. Um, there are lots of ways to live as a spiritual person in the world. Um, being a mystic is a really particular thread in the tapestry of spiritual life. Um, mystics open ourselves to being touched by the divine in ways that are often deeply transformative and inconvenient. <laughs> um, because when the divine chooses to convey a message to us, we have to be able to drop everything and listen. Historically, the mystics were often afflicted by physical illness, epilepsy, brushes with death through infectious disease, traumatic brain injuries, migraines. Uh, there are lots of stories of the mystics being deeply afflicted depression. St. John of the Cross uh, wrote the book. Uh, well, I don't know if it was meant to be a book, but he wrote The Dark Night of the Soul. And this was his experience in the depths of darkness where he only could feel the weight of grief and longing. Um, so today I'm sure he would have been diagnosed as clinically depressed, but he was afflicted with this longing, which became the opening for him to experience God fully. And so when we are a mystic, we are often afflicted. We feel the grief of the world profoundly. We feel the suffering of the world profoundly, especially the ecosystem collapse. We are taken into reality in all of its messiness in order to receive more of the truth, more of the wisdom um, that we are asked to carry here as spiritual people. Caroline Meese um, writes about being a mystic in her um, Sacred Contracts book and how people often say when they're choosing archetypes for themselves that they want to be a mystic until they realize what it actually means to be a mystic. It's really hard work. <laughs> um, there's often suffering involved. We are available to the divine at all day, all hours of the day and night, whether or not it's convenient to us. And so, uh, there's often like a romanticizing of what it means to be deeply connected to the divine that in lived experience we find is not as glamorous <laughs> as it looks like, um, when we're romanticizing it. But if you are called mist to be a mystic if you are called to deeply encounter the mind of the of the divine practices like lectio divina can help you anchor into the transformational energy of that other world in a way that you have some control over 
Because if, if you are made to be a mystic in this world and you aren't actively engaging with the divine in a way that is devotional and with a practice around it and a discipline, it seems to me that the path is much harder that way. We get sort of taken into the underworld for our lessons instead of going willingly and with some modicum of control, even though we never really have control in this practice. Um, but practices like Lectio are a way to willingly go um, and receive that information and those downloads um, before we're sort of drunk there, kicking and screaming. But I hope this um, sort of content is helpful and useful. These are the things that really inform my practice when I'm working with plants or the Susquehanna River is a, a form of deity to me when I'm working with the Susquehanna, when I'm working with Hecate, when I'm working with Jesus, when I'm working with Sycamore, you know, practices like Lectio are one of the ways that I conjure a door to walk through. Um, I hope to talk about a few other ways that I do that in the next few episodes. Um, last week, we talked about the path of descent. And this is one of the ways that, that we can descend with practices like Lectio. But thank you for tuning in, and um, I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Much Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.